0: John chapter ten this morning. We'll begin verse nineteen, we want to read down to verse twenty-six. John chapter ten, verse nineteen, and then down to verse twenty-six. There was a division, therefore, again among the Jews for these sayings, and many of them said, "He hath the devil, and is mad." Why hear ye him? He has a demon and is a lunatic. Why are you listening to him? Others said, these are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered and said, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not, because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Leave off reading there in verse 26. There was a division, therefore, again, among the Jews for these sayings. Division. We have seen it already in this chapter, as we'll refer back in a moment. Division over what? Over the person and the works of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a common occurrence during our Lord's ministry on the earth. Far more common than I think that we understand or believe. I was thinking about that this week and particularly this morning. I'm not going to address this, but I was thinking That in the middle of all that division, how our Lord and his disciples kept focused on their ministry. How they kept a good heart and a right heart and stayed focused on what was right and good and beneficial to those around them. Division over the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who he is, over his words, over his works. We've already seen it before. You notice the word again. There was a division therefore again among the Jews. In John chapter 7. In John chapter 7 and verse 12 we read. And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him. And some said he's a good man. Others said nay. No. But he deceiveth the people. So there was this conflict this division murmuring between two groups of Jewish people here and in John chapter 7 and verse 43 the culmination is this so there was a division among the people because of him some said he was a good man others said no he is not a good man this continues over until we've just read here in John chapter 10 and some said he's got a demon and is a lunatic Others said, no, no, that can't be true. There is this division. Our Lord had told his disciples that this would be the case. In fact, he had told his disciples that he came to introduce division among the people. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 51, Luke 12 and verse 51, we read these words... Where Jesus is speaking, and he says, Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on the earth? I tell you, nay, but rather division. I am not come to give peace, I am come to bring a division. It seems contrary to everything that we can think that the Lord Jesus Christ would purposely cause division. That he would come for the purpose of dividing people. And yet at the end of the world, in the final judgment, when all the nations are gathered before him, what does he do? He divides the sheep from the goats. He divides them. True gospel preaching always causes division. It is not the purpose of the preacher to purposely cause division, but the message that he brings will cause division. He cannot escape that. And any preacher that is trying to escape dividing when he preaches is not going to preach the whole counsel of God. Look with me over in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 14. God the book of Acts, chapter 14, I want to read just two verses and show you during the preaching ministry of the Apostle Paul, what happens. Acts chapter 14, and verse 3 and verse 4, we read these words Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace. Verse 3 says. Verse 4. But the multitude of the city was divided, part held to the Jews and part with the apostles. Paul comes into Iconium, comes into the synagogue of the Jews. He is preaching and he stays there a long time and he is preaching. And what happens under the preaching of the gospel? There is a division. Some of them held, some of the city held with the Jews that said that Paul was a false preacher. Some believed the gospel message and followed Paul's message. Gospel preaching always results in division. We cannot help it. As soon as one person is converted in a household, that household becomes divided. As soon as one person is converted in a community... That community is divided. As soon as one person in a false religion is converted, that false religion is in the midst of division. Those that try to stay among them, to try to work among them, are actually going to produce more division in the assembly. There's some question as to whether or not you should do that or not. But Paul went into the synagogues. And he preached the gospel. And there was a division and some came out. Whether you believe that that was right practice or not, that's what he did under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Religious division always happens under the preaching of the gospel. And religious division always produces persecution and eventually martyrdom. Back in John's gospel, John chapter 10, we'll drop down from verse 19 as he continues to instruct them. We'll be a couple of weeks getting here, but look in verse 31. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. It's not the first time that they've tried to kill him. It won't be the last time, but here it is. There was division among them over what he was saying and what he was doing. And they picked up stones as he continues to amplify the message, culminating with verse 30, I and my father are one. Then the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. This religious division always resulting in a measure of persecution and eventually martyrdom in some cases. The enemies of the gospel continue to work dividing today. Not only does the gospel produce a division, but as you read through the book of John and also through the book of Acts, you'll see that the enemies of the gospel produce division. For instance, Paul was in Thessalonica and preaching. God saved some people. The Jews rose up and persecuted the church. Paul left and went into an area called Berea. The Jews from Thessalonica came down to Berea to cause division in the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Both go on at the same time. Gospel preaching produces a division. And once that division is produced, the enemies of the gospel continue to try to divide. Continue to try to work to cause division among the Lord's churches even unto this day. Divisions among the Lord's church happen for a lot of different reasons. And I thought this morning that I would address some of those reasons. All of us have seen this in our life, in our Christian ministry. I've seen it as an early Christian. I saw it in the first church that I was in. I saw it in the churches that I ministered to as an early preacher. I saw it even in the first church that I pastored. Why does division develop? In the Lord's churches. The first reason. First, different groups within the church following different religious leaders who are outside the church and not members of the church. Let me say that again so you get it. Different groups within the church following religious leaders that are outside the church and are not members of the church. Instead of following the word of God alone. We see this in the Corinthian letter in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, 11 and 12. Let me read and I'll be skipping some of the verses so that we can bring together a concise statement here some of the stuff within the verses. Verse 10 Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus or by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing that there be no divisions among you. And then he goes into the fact that the household of Chloe had told him that it was. And he partly believed it. And then in verse 12 says that every one of you saith. I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. I am of Cephas. And I of Christ. What was going on in that church at Corinth? Paul had been gone a long time. Paulus was no longer there. Peter was not there. He Christ was present in that church. They came behind in no gift given to them by the Lord Jesus Christ. But what was going on in that church? They looked outside the membership of that church. Two different religious leaders, Paul and Apollos and Cephas, all of them had evidently ministered there in the past and now were gone. They looked outside of their membership of that church and they said, I'm of this man or that man. This man teaches this. That man teaches that. We like this man's approach to the church and ministry more than we like this man's approach to the church and ministry. I'm of John MacArthur. I'm of R.C. Sproul. I'm of the Reformers. I'm of the Baptist. I'm of the Lutherans. I'm of the Methodist. That kind of stuff causes divisions in this church, in the church. Paul tried to address it. We are not followers of men, brethren, but of the Lord Jesus Christ. He even says, were you baptized in the name of Paul? No. You're Baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Satan tries to get in and divide. The second thing that happens in Lord's churches, certain men within the church begin raising questions concerning doctrine in order. Nothing wrong with raising questions concerning doctrine. The Bereans searched the scriptures whether these things were true or not. But raising questions concerning doctrine in order to draw members away from the church onto themselves. I've seen that in my ministry. I think you have too. Somebody comes in, tries to gather a group of people around them, questioning this or that. The purpose to bring them out. To bring them out. We see this in Acts chapter 20 as Paul is addressing the elders at the church of the church at Ephesus. Acts 20 29, he says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. I used that verse last week when we were dealing with the hireling seeing the wolves and fleeing. But Paul continues. To show what they would do. Also, of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after themselves. Now, the defining part is the last place to draw away disciples after themselves. If that's the intent, then it's wrong. To raise questions, to ask questions about doctrine, I've allowed that my whole ministry. In fact, when I was at Community Baptist Church, During the Sunday school hour, I would allow for questions to be asked. So I could answer questions. We had a lot of new converts. And they said, well, what about this or what about that? And I was able to answer the questions. It was an open forum. But this takes place with the intent to draw away. I've seen that in my own church. A division with the intent to take some of the sheep away. Third, the third thing that causes division in the Lord's churches is carnality among the church members. Paul deals with this in his first epistle to the Corinthians also. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, Paul is speaking to them, and in previous verses he said, I can't speak unto you as spiritual, but unto carnal. Because in verse 3 he says, For you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions. 1 Corinthians 3.3 three. And he concludes by saying, are you not carnal and walk as men? Now he's talking to Christians. He's talking about those who were faithful in the Lord's assembly. The, this verse was used by um, many in the 70s and 80s to establish a doctrine called carnal Christian. Somebody can believe the gospel, never attend church, never do anything for the Lord Jesus Christ, die and still go to heaven. He was a carnal Christian. He believed the gospel. He prayed the sinner's prayer. Paul is saying to the Corinthians, they are carnal. These are those that are in services. These are those who come behind and know gifts. These are those who are functioning in the city of Corinth. And and these are those who are ministering there. They got some problems, yes. There's some carnality among them, but they are true Christians. He says among them there is... Because of their carnality, because they walk as men, there is divisions among the church there. Some of them were boasting of their gifts. Some of them were boasting of uh, the differences between the gifts. Paul corrects all of that in 1 Corinthians and deals with them pretty strongly, I think. They were allowing sin to remain in the church and other things like that, and Paul deals with it but the church was divided up among themselves beginning with following outside preachers and not following the leadership of the holy spirit within the congregation religious differences over the gospel message and over the true over the definition of true christianity continue to cause divisions and religious persecution onto this day Our Lord told us it would be so. Back in the gospel of John, this time in chapter 15. John chapter 15 and verse 20. Our Lord is addressing his disciples and he says to them in John chapter 15 and verse 20. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me. Remember, going back to John chapter 5, they sought to persecute him and to kill him. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Our Lord is warning his disciples, John 15 and verse 20. Our Lord is warning his disciples that the future holds persecution for them. That the servant is not greater than the Lord. And if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can expect this kind of treatment. um, Because people are divided over the gospel. The next chapter. In John chapter 16 in verse 2. John chapter 16 in verse 2. He continues addressing this very thing. Where he says. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea the time cometh. When whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. So not only are they going to continue persecuting those who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, but the servant is not above the master even in the killing part. If they continue to persecute, they will eventually begin to kill those who are followers of Christ. Religious differences always produce division. Always. We cannot escape that. Jesus Christ said, Do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I have not come for that. I have come for division. In another place he said, I have come to bring a sword. A sword dividing. The history of true Christianity is full of evidence That religious men from religious groups have persecuted the true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Lord Jesus Christ told us to expect that. And we come back to the text in John chapter 10. And we see again that there is division among the Jews because of what he is saying. Because of who he is. And because of what he is doing. This brings us to verse 20. John chapter 10 verse 20. Verse 19 says, and there was division therefore again among the Jews for these sayings. And verse 20, many of them said, he hath the devil and is mad. Why hear you him? Others said, these are not the words of him that hath the devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? And it was at Jerusalem at the Feast of Dedication, and it was winter. The division among the Jews resulted in a conversation concerning whether or not the Lord Jesus Christ was demon-possessed or not. The accusation was based upon two things, his words and his works. His words, why hear ye him? Why do you keep listening to what he has to say? He's demon-possessed. He's a lunatic. Verse 20. Why hear ye him? Verse 21. These are not the words of him that hath a devil or a demon. And so it's revolving around what he was saying. But it was also revolving around his works. Can a devil... Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? I mean, that. think about that a minute. Can that be done? These are religious people. These are not the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are those who are in opposition to him. Some of the Jews were rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ and his message. And they were looking for a way to discredit him. They believed and taught that he was demon possessed. Others still divided between them and Christ, but were still undecided as to whether he was a lunatic or demon-possessed. They they, they would not believe and could not believe that someone could speak like he speaks and do what he does and be demon-possessed. But both groups understood this, brethren, And this is what I want to get out of this text this morning. Both groups understood that men with a religious message and men who could perform miracles in the name of religion were not always sent from God. They were not always sent from God. These are Jews. They know their history and they know the law. In their history, they know and they remember that when Moses and Aaron went before Pharaoh, that Pharaoh's religious men were able to duplicate the first four miracles. In Exodus chapter 7 and verse 11, we read, Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. Aaron threw down his rod, it became a snake. They threw down their rod, and it became a snake. Snakes. Now, Aaron's rod ate theirs. Aaron's snake ate theirs, and Aaron picked the rod up, and it was again. And showed that the greater power was in Aaron, and not in them. But nonetheless, religious men, trusted by the Pharaoh of Egypt were able to do miraculous things. The Jews knew their history. They knew that miracles do not always mean that a man is sent from God. But more than that, they knew the test of man's message. Deuteronomy chapter 13. My wife and daughter and I were talking in our house the other day, and my wife mentioned, where is that text where you said thus and thus and thus and thus in India? And I said, it's in Deuteronomy. And it just so happens that I was going to use it this week. Deuteronomy 13, if you wanted the text, verses 1 through 3. I often used it in India. Deuteronomy 13, verse 1. If there rise among you a prophet, here's a preacher, or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or a wonder. This is how the chapter opens up. And the sign or the wonder come to pass. Okay. Whereof he spake unto thee. Let us. if he spake unto thee saying let us go after other gods which thou hast not known and let us serve them. He did a miracle. And then spoke unto them about following another god. Thou shalt not hearken unto his words. It is very interesting that God does not say, Thou shalt not hearken unto the miracle. You don't test a prophet by his miracles. You test a prophet by his words. In India, they would say, But he's able to do this or that or the other. He does miraculous things. You ought to see what he can do. And I would always say, What message does he preach? But you ought to see what he can do, Brother Pat. What message does he preach? As literally hundreds of thousands would follow him for the miracle that he was able to do. But what message does he preach? Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams for, and here is the reason why, the Lord your God proveth you, tests you, To know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Whether you're going to follow the words of a man that go contrary to the words of God. Is a test of whether you love the Lord or not. Whether you're going to follow the miracles of a man whose message is contrary to the word of God. Is a test of whether you love the Lord or not. Deuteronomy 13 verses 1 through 3. We need to understand what these Jews understood. Now they have perverted God's word by the time of the days of Jesus Christ. And that's why they could say he's the one with the demon. Despite what he says or what he does. He's the one that's wrong. They had perverted God's word. He was bringing God's word to them and they had perverted it and could not hear it. But we need to understand the same thing in the day in which we live. Not everyone who uses the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is of God. And that is a hard thing for Christians to grasp. They are to be tested by the words they say. Not by the sincerity of their message, not by the size of their church or congregation, not by the miraculous things they do or not do. They are to be tested by the things they say. What is his message? Does it agree with the Word of God? We have the same thing in the New Testament. The scriptures show us that during the days of the Lord Jesus Christ and his apostles, there were many who preached a religious message and did miraculous things who were not of God. Our Lord reminded us in Matthew's gospel, chapter 7, very early in his ministry, Matthew seven twenty-one through 23, Matthew seven, twenty one through twenty three, where our Lord said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not spoken, preached in the name of Jesus Christ? And in thy name cast out devils, or demons. In the name of Jesus cast out demons. And in thy name done many wonderful works. In the name of Jesus commanding that demons leave. And in the name of Jesus doing miraculous things. Preaching in the name of Jesus. And then I will profess unto them I never knew you. Depart from me you workers of iniquity. Using the name of Jesus Christ in their message, in their ministry of works, and yet they were working sin by what they were doing. You workers of iniquity. In the latter chapters of Matthew chapter 24, our Lord speaks of the last days. And in Matthew 24, verse 24, he says, There shall arise false Christs, He's speaking of the last days. He's speaking of the days after he leaves the earth, ascends to heaven, in the days prior to 70 AD, and then also the days prior after that. Not prior, yeah, prior to 70 AD and the days after that. And he says there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, They shall deceive the very elect. If we're looking at what a man does and listen to what he says and not testing it by the word of God, we are in very dangerous ground. Very dangerous ground. The New Testament also warns us that throughout the history of Christianity... Many who are religious will use words and works to deceive a multitude of people. Paul writes about it to the Corinthians. In 1st, I'm sorry, 2nd Corinthians, chapter 11. 2nd Corinthians, chapter 11, 13 through 15. The Apostle Paul writes these words, For such are false apostles, can almost be stoned today for saying someone is a false prophet. You certainly will become rejected. Joel Osteen over in Second Baptist in Houston is a false prophet. His message is not from the scriptures. And yet he has thousands following him who are deceived. For such are false apostles. Deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. See the connection here between a false prophet and Satan? Do not marvel that men can accomplish these things because the one behind them can transform himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, his ministers, also be transformed as ministers of righteousness whose ends shall be according to their works. Later on, The Apostle Paul, being in prison in Rome, writes to Timothy. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, he writes and says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. That some shall depart from the faith. How? How? Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons, devils. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Departing from the faith by giving heed to a message from another spirit. Departing from the faith by giving heed to a message of another Jesus, another gospel, and another spirit we are warned in the scriptures over and over again that there is division, that Christ came to the earth to bring division. And in the division, there is questioning as to who Jesus Christ is. Some said he is a demon-possessed lunatic. Others said, no, he's a good man. A demon can't open the eyes of the blind. He's a good man. Neither of those conclusions are accurate. Because he's the God man. Good, yes. Righteous, yes. Holy, yes. The one who can save sinners from their sins. Yes. The third set of verses we're going to look at this morning quickly are in verses 23 through 26. Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews around about him and said on him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? I'm going to come back to that statement in a minute. If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I told you. And you believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. This is not the first time he's used words and works together. But you believe not because you are not of my sheep as I said unto you. How long do you cause us to doubt? They're blaming the Lord Jesus Christ for their doubts and their ignorance. What an amazing statement. How long are you going to keep us in the dark? How long are you going to keep us ignorant as to who you really are? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. What has he been doing from chapter 1 to chapter 10 of John? He has been speaking plainly as to who he is. And they turn around in chapter 10 and say, It's your fault we don't understand who you are. It's your fault... How long are you going to keep us. Doubting. You see. How the heart of men. Hardened against the truth of God's word. Will go so far as to blame God. For their problem. This is not the first time. The Jews have asked him this question. They did in John 8 chapter 25. Then said they unto him. Who art thou? And Jesus saith. Unto them, even as the same as I said unto you from the beginning. Who art thou? It's a good question. As I said when I was dealing with it in John chapter eight. And if it's asked from a true heart, will be answered by God with the truth of God's word. But ask with the intent to twist His words, so they can find fault with Him. God will not answer. The religious. Israelites did not want to know who the Lord Jesus Christ was in truth. They did not want, they did not ask the question because they are sincerely desiring to know who Jesus is so they can forsake their false religion, come out of darkness into light, come out of their sin into life. They're not asking for that reason. They're looking for a way to trap him with his words. I remember in San Antonio going house to house and I come up to a door, knocking on a door on the south side of San Antonio and there's this group of people, eight or ten of them around and there's wine and there's the smell of marijuana and there's music blaring and somebody opens the, uh, the door and I'm Pat Horner from at that time the name of the church was Calvary Baptist Church, also from Calvary Baptist Church we meet over here I've come to bring some literature from our church and he said, we're Jews and we're celebrating the Lord's table. And the girl that had come up next to him with the smell of marijuana rolling out of the screen door said, I can't believe you said that. I said, okay, I won't bother you anymore. Walked off and said, Lord, you heard that. They answered to you, not to me. Who are you? I was there to tell them. Were they interested? No. No, they were not interested. In Luke 22, close to the end of his ministry, in verse 67, they say, Art thou the Christ? Tell us. He said unto them, If I tell you, you will not believe. He had already told them. And from the beginning, they had known and been told that he was the everlasting, unchangeable I Am. The one true God who created all things. The eternal Son of God sent by the Father to save sinners from their sin. God manifest in the flesh. Israel's true Messiah sent by Israel's God. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The only Savior of sinners. The one and only mediator between God and man. God's prophet. God's priest. God's king. The judge of the quick and the dead. The bread of life, the water of life, the light of the world, and much, much more. In John chapter 10, we have seen that he's a door by which sinners may enter into a safe and secure place. The good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. In John 11, we're going to see that he's the resurrection and the life. In John 13, we're going to see that he is master and Lord. In John 14, he is the way, the truth, and the life. In John 15, the true vine. And at the close of the canon of Scripture in the book of the Revelation, He is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end of all things. He has told them. And His message has come out of the mouth of His servants from the days that He has ordained the first twelve and then the seventy and the churches were established and has spread into the world until this day People have been told who Jesus Christ is. I told you. And you believe not. The issue is not that God hasn't said something, God has said something. It's here in this book we call the Bible. God has said something. The issue isn't that God hasn't spoken. The issue is whether or not men will believe what God has said. He had been telling them from the days he entered into his ministry and he continued to tell them but they were unable to hear his words. They were unable to believe his words. They were unable to receive his words. They, As the Gospel of Matthew says, they closed their deaf ears. Not only had he told them, not only had he used words upon words, and he would continue to do so until he ascends to take his place on his throne in heaven. But he has performed such miraculous works before them in their face that they are without excuse. He has just healed a man who was blind from birth. Even the man himself says, is there any historical record of anyone from the beginning of time until now who has ever healed a man born blind from birth? No. There is no record at all of anything like that ever happening from Adam to the days of Christ. And the man stands before them as a stark testimony Of what God can do. So they are without excuse. They did not believe his works. And they did not believe his words. They would not believe what he had to say. They would not accept what he was doing in their midst. They were not his sheep. And here is the hard part of this verse. You believe not. Because you are not of my sheep as I said unto you. Now for 25 years I was an unbeliever. But I was a lost sheep. And I came to Christ and he saved me. So just because you're an unbeliever this morning does not put you in this category. But being an unbeliever may put you in this category. Okay? And I'm not here to frighten you. This morning, but the truth of the word of God in verse 26 is, You believe not because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. They continued in their unbelief because they were not his sheep. They were not his sheep because they could not hear his words, as he said to them in John 8 and verse 43. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my words? They were not his sheep because they were of their father, the devil, as he said in John eight in verse forty-four. You were of your father, the devil. And they were not his sheep because they were not of God. John eight in verse forty-seven. He that heareth, he that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. And these particular people and their offspring. Continue in this state until this day. In John 11 and verse 8, we read, God hath given them a spirit of slumber, eyes that they cannot see, and ears that they should not hear, unto this day. Romans 11, sorry, verse 8. Romans 11, verse 8. They fell under the judicial blindness of God and continue this day rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ as their Messiah because they are not God's sheep. And yet, as I said as I introduced this verse, I was an unbeliever for 25 years. And one day I was able to pick up the scriptures and began reading it and began to see that Jesus Christ could save sinners and began to hear that he would say to others your sins are forgiven and having that word and hearing that from the pages of God's word I said you forgave them would you not forgive me and he did so and he did so and that Believing the gospel message proved that I was one of his sheep. Lost, yes, but not of this group. You do not want to join these people. You do not want to join those who close their ears and eyes and say, we will not have this man rule over us. You do not want to do that. Do not continue in an effort to stop your ears from hearing what God has to say. As I said earlier, God has said something. We are responsible to read what God has said, to hear what he said to us. All of you children are old enough to take up a Bible and read it. Every one of you. Your mama reads it to you. grandma reads it to you. Friends come along and they might quote it to you. But you are personally responsible and old enough to take up your own Bible and read it. You say, but I don't understand it. Don't worry about what you don't understand. Read it until you find something you do understand. I've told you my testimony, starting in Genesis, coming all the way over into the Gospel of John before I finally understood Thy sins are forgiven thee. Go in peace. That's a lot of reading and not to understand. But finally I understood something. Do not continue to deny Him as to who He is, who He has said He is, and what the Scriptures declare Him to be. Who the Scriptures declare Him to be. The Son of God sent To save sinners from their sins. Scriptures declare him to be that. Do not continue to deny him. To be the only savior of sinners. Follow what the word of God says. Listen to what it has to say. Let's pray together.